Welcome to the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast, a show that is dedicated to educating you on applying science-based training, nutrition, and mindset strategies from some of the top minds in the industry to help you build a leaner, stronger, and more confident self. I'm your host, Jeff Hain. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Muscle Connection Podcast. Today is a solo episode and a Q&A episode. I have three questions I want to go over, but first, before I dive into that, I want to go over a few ways you can help support the podcast. So first, if you were sick of just focusing on weight loss and instead want a body recomp, then my one-on-one online coaching program is for you. I hope you lose body fat and build muscle with my body recomp training, nutrition, and lifestyle methods. We look at things like your lifestyle and biofeedback to individualize your training and nutrition program to you and your specific needs. There's also at least one to two bottlenecks outside of the training and nutrition protocol that we figure out that are keeping you from seeing the results that you want to see. And this usually impacts people more than they think. If you aren't interested, so if you're interested in that, you can fill out the link in the show notes, or I also have a page that kind of goes over what I offer. And again, that link is in the show notes as well too. If you aren't interested in full coaching, I do one-on-one consultations where we troubleshoot any issues if you have and or map out a game plan for the next couple of months. Again, that the link to that's going to be in the show notes as well, too. Uh, if you want to learn more about a body recomp, I have my masterclass on body recomp, what it is, how to do it. And you can find the link to that uh, in the show notes. If you haven't yet, make sure you follow me on Instagram, Jeff, H-O-E-H-N underscore. And that's where I'm most active on social media. You can ask me any questions. And that's where I do these uh, Q&As as well, too. And then lastly, if you found this podcast to be helpful in any way, if you could leave a rating and review, and that will help more people find this podcast. So with that out of the way, I want to dive into today's question. So the first question I have is... What is something that the research shows is quote unquote, is not significant that you think may be? And I thought this was a really good question and I'm going to go into a a topic here. I'm going to turn this into a a topic as well. So I don't think this particular thing has ever been studied specifically, but after reading some of the guy's stuff at Data Driven Strength and talking to Brian Borstein, my coach about some things, I think there might be something to having phases where you push volume up or you specialize in certain muscle groups that are lagging such you want to grow while keeping others closer to maintenance. And so this is basically the concept of specialization. And so this is something I chatted with Brian recently about doing with my program. We've done specialization phases in the past, but now my kind of goal is I want to do specialization phases for different muscle groups each time rather than, Hey, I just want to focus on this. Cause I want to see which muscle groups respond best to that. So how this would work in practice is I would focus on one or two muscle groups in each training phase, then move on to one to two more on the next training phase and, and just see which ones respond best to this. And I think that can help me get a good idea of where my volume needs to be for certain muscle groups. So it may look something like this, right? So training cycle one, you might do delts and triceps for specialization, right? This could be higher volume. I'm going to go over some other things you can do here in a minute. And then everything else stays closer to maintenance. You're not really changing it. Training cycle two, maybe you do lats and quads. Everything else goes closer to maintenance. Training cycle three, you do chest and biceps. Everything else closer to maintenance. Training cycle four, you do hamstrings and upper back and then so on and so forth. And I'm not sure on this. I'm I'm sure we'll figure this out, but maybe there's like a magic combination of which muscle groups to use. Maybe there's some that kind of have a synergistic effect. Maybe there's some that they doing them together, specializing in both of those may impact each other, right? In in a negative way. So I think there's a lot that can go into that. So I want to spend the next little bit here talking about specialization phases. Okay. I want to talk to you about what it is and whatnot. So I'm sure that you've had a muscle group. So I guess before I get into that, I just want to go over um, a little bit about 
why I think this may work. So I just think that what's not feasible to, when you're a beginner, I think you need to have everything even, right? You need to see what responds and what doesn't. And I think that you have this, if you hit everything relatively even, everything's going to grow because you're just at that point, right? But as you start to get more advanced, I think it becomes more more, more and more important to, you're not going to be able to progress every muscle group, right? There's only so much volume that you can recover from in a given time. And so it becomes impractical to be able to try to progress everything at once, right? This is also with nutrition periodization. Like you're not always going to be able to lose body fat and build muscle at the same time. Like at some point you're going to have to, there's going to be these diverging paths and you're going to have to pick which one you want to go to. I think the same thing can be said for building muscle and whatnot. And like in some of these studies, they show that higher training volumes do are better for muscle growth than say like lower volumes. However, with these studies, they're usually shorter in, in time. So it'd be interesting to see over long periods of time, can you sustain that? And I think in a short period of time, what we can take away from that is that there probably is something to having certain muscle groups that you, you do higher volume, you specialize in them and, and that will build muscle. Right. But again, it's over that long period of time that like, okay, can you have everything maxed out and keep progressing on every single thing? Probably not. You're going to run into some recovery issues. And again, remember this is with the thought that initially everything's probably going to grow. You don't need to worry about this after two, three, four, five years of good solid training, right? Good, solid training, not just your training. You probably need to start to prioritize which muscle groups you want to go grow. So I think that this is a concept that it makes sense based on the research and just how the body uh, responds. This is definitely something to, to look at here. And I believe the guys at data-driven strength are onto something with that and they want to look more into that. So hopefully we'll get some more research on this specifically. But Again, I'm sure that you've had a muscle group that either you want to focus on specifically, you want to focus more glutes over chest or vice versa, or you just have a muscle group that maybe just doesn't seem to grow like other muscle groups, right? So what do you do when this happens? Like I said, you do need to make sure that you train everything evenly for a couple of years with good programming and, and good muscle building principles. That That's priority number one. This should not come before that. So you need to make sure you do that. And again, even if you've been training for five years, really check to see if you've been on a consistent training program, have you progressed it and have you stayed consistent with that over time? If the answer is no, you need to focus on that first before you do this. However, if you've been training with a good training program for three to five years, good muscle building principles, you really dialed that in, you have good technique, this might be something to look at. So how can we specialize certain muscle groups? So we can do manipulate the exercise order. So if there's a muscle group you want to bring up and it's always buried at the end of your workout, then you can assume that then you can assume that you're not putting everything into that particular muscle group, right? Again, this is delts, for example. So people want to bring up their delts, but then you look at their program and they're always training delts later on in the training session, right? Maybe you train your delts first, right? And that can be something that you can do there to help with that. We have intensity. Make sure you're training that muscle group closer to failure. So think zero to two RIR most of the time. For example, people always say they struggle with building their legs, but it's because they're three plus reps away from failure most of the time uh, when they train. Um, and so that may be part of it, right? You just might not be training that muscle group as close to failure as you think you are. But we definitely want to pull that first before we just start to uh, ramp up a ton of volume. And you can also train muscle groups that are very responsive to training a little bit further away from failure. And that can be helpful there. We want to, we can potentially decrease volume on more responsive muscle groups. So again, in a specialization phase, we could probably, if your legs or quads, for example, are very responsive to training, you can probably dial back closer to your maintenance on that. And that can free up some more resources for you to be able to 
for your body to put towards that those other muscle groups, right? You can also look at decreasing volume. Frequency is another lever you can pull. You can increase how many times you train that muscle group per week. So if you only train it once per week, maybe you move it up to two. If you only train it twice a week, maybe you move it up to three. And that can be a way to specialize in that uh, particular uh, muscle group. Um, then we have exercise selection slash execution. Um, can you choose more effective exercises for that particular muscle group? Or can you improve your uh, technique slash execution of that exercise? Uh, a good example here is the quads. People want to build their quads and glutes, and they just try to do that through the back squat. That can help, but if that's not a good movement for you, we need to find movement that is much better suited for you. So again, it's also finding these exercises there. And then one of the next things we can do there now at this point is once you have those nailed down for your muscle groups, now it's like, hey, let's maybe go into look at increasing volume, right? So this could be something where you 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 pull those levers first in a specialization phase. And then over that training phase, now you can start to increase the volume over time, but make sure those things are there first, see what your response is, and then add volume on an as needed basis, right? Versus, oh, hey, I want to build my biceps. I'm just going to throw the volume, a ton of volume on those, on the biceps. Again, that may work for a short period of time, but that might not be the best way to do it, right? You might need to focus on those other, you can pull those other levers first, and you're going to get a lot out of that. And then you can start to ramp up volume versus, oh, hey, I'm just going to do a bunch of volume. I think in general, that's probably the big mistake made with training volume is they just People just throw a ton of volume on something right away when you need to give it some time. You need to slowly ramp up that volume on an as-needed basis versus, oh, hey, I'm going to do this with it. So again, make sure you do those five things first in a specialization phase or even, yeah, just make sure you do those. And then from there, you can start to increase the, the training volume over time. And again, we want to make sure we make small increases. So if you're at 10 to 12 sets per week, or sorry, if you're at 10 sets per week, maybe you go to 12, right? Versus going from 10 to then 20. So hopefully that was helpful there. And again, that's a way to use a specialization phase. Again, I think these are going to be, this is going to be a concept that's going to pick up some more steam. But again, there's not anything specific that, from my understanding of the research that shows that, hey, you need to, like this works and it's been studied. Really good question there. Hopefully that makes sense on how to do that. If you guys, as always, have any questions, let me know on that and we can uh, chat about that in more detail. All right. So somebody asked me, they're in a maintenance phase. Measurements are up uh, point, point 0.5 inches or half an inch. Weight's up three pounds. Uh, body fat percentage up one, 1%. Body looks pretty much the same. Can And they ask, can I assume that this is muscle? And it could be, but it's really hard to say for sure without actually seeing your physique. And even that those small changes, it's, it's probably not going to be super noticeable. Muscle growth just takes time. And it's really hard to notice muscle growth in a month time frame. Like you really have to zoom out longer. And this is why these phases where you're not in it for long enough when it comes to building muscle, it's, it's going to be really hard to see if you're actually making progress. If you're trying to see this week to week, day to day progress, you're going to, you're going to struggle there. However, in saying that for these specific numbers, all those numbers are within the potential error rate that comes along with taking these me metrics, right? So taking measurements and your point half an inch, that right there, that's just enough of if you take it at, it, first of all, it depends on where you're at, like where you're taking this at. I think that's important to justify, right? Versus just being like measurements are up half an inch. Is that all together? Is that just one, one particular spot? I think that's important to figure out, but let's say it's at the waist. That's just within that potential error that could happen of you maybe doing it a little bit more tighter before, maybe doing it a little bit tighter now, maybe not doing it. Like maybe you're doing it at a different spot and that's going to alter it. Maybe you're a little bit more bloated that day. That's going to alter. It. So that right there, it's okay. Even if you are like 
up half an inch or down half an inch, like that's just within that potential error rate there. We don't know for sure. It could just be measurement error on that. Or again, those day-to-day fluctuations, right? So again, that one's just don't know for sure. Weight's up three pounds. Again, that's, is that on average? Is that just one way in? Because again, that's within that like margin of error of like your water weight fluctuations or even standardization. If you don't standardize it, you weigh in at different times throughout the day. That's enough there to alter that. So again, making that number somewhat obsolete because we don't know uh, for sure there on it. Body fat percentage up 1%. Again, any body fat measurement, anything that's going to measure your body fat, there's going to be an error rate there on that. And 1% is within that error rate. And again, it's also within that standardization. You could have been a little bit more depleted. You could be a little bit more hydrated, less hydrated. These are all things that are going to impact that, right? Basically with this, what I'm what the reason I wanted to bring this up is because sometimes we really try to overlook objective data and it's, we have to understand that there's some built in errors within this and we can't just because you just have to understand that there's going to be some errors. So it's, you can't put too much stock into one thing, right? Again, I'm going to look at what are your inputs? What are you doing? That's going to be the most important there with it. Also your performance in your, in the gym, like how's that going? Are you able to progress in, in, in your training sessions? How are your clothes fitting? These are going to be just as important, which are a little bit more subjective than some of those numbers, right? So again, what I'm trying to get at is we can overly focus on these numbers and you have to understand that the smaller the changes, the more likely it's just a potential error. And you just have to keep going and get more longer, longer trends and, and longer term uh, data on this. There's that. And this is, again, comes back to it's really important to look at your inputs. I think the people overestimate, underestimate those and overestimate uh, the, the objective numbers. Like again, these things like measurements, weight, body fat percentage, et cetera. And again, just understand that building muscle takes time and it's just a long process there on that. So hopefully that was helpful uh, on that to understand that if you see those small changes, realize it could just be potential error and not everything is, is going to be super accurate. So last question is RDLs make my low back sore for nearly a week. Any form tips? Am I just using too much weight? And they, they said too, I understand you probably need, need to see my technique and definitely need to see technique. Like that's going to be super important there on that. However, there's probably a few things that we can, some tips I can give you on this. If you're doing RDLs and you really just feel it in your low back. So I think the first mistake that people make and, and, and a tip that you can take here is a lot of times when people are doing RDLs, they overly focus on how low they can get the weight, right? So, oh, I need to touch the ground or how far you can go is what they, how low you can go with the weight is what they aim for. But really you want to think more about pushing your butt slash hips as far back as you can versus trying to lower the barbell dumbbells as low as you can. When I did that really helped me activate my hamstrings much better. So really think about pushing your butt back as far as you can versus like trying to get the weight down to the ground or as low as you can. Because again, if you just focus on getting the weight as low as you can, a lot of times what I see is people do start to round their low back to get there. And that is going to place a lot more stress on that low back. Another thing you can do is do a few warm up sets with lighter weight. Don't just go into your working sets for RDLs. It's a very technique driven movement. So you need to make sure you warm up. So at least do one to two warm up sets with lighter weight to work up to it and really focus on your technique in those warm up sets. You may need to lighten the load slightly so you can maintain tightness. A lot of times people focus too much on just adding weight. And then as they get heavier and heavier, their technique starts to suffer because they're just overly focused on adding weight. And then they start to, it's a lot tougher to maintain tightness in their low back and their core. And then they start to round a little bit. So really look, really focus on technique over weight with RDL and then let that weight and reps increase over time when you have with good technique. Also, what's your rep range? I think anything over five day reps for RDLs is a bit too much. If you are using a higher rep range, say 10 to 15 reps for RDLs, that could be an issue because 
again, it's going to be really hard to maintain tightness in your core when you're going that high of reps with uh, this exercise. Make sure that you are, you know, in that five to eight-ish rep range and, and whatnot on that. So those are a few things that you can do if you're really feeling your low back there with that. So hopefully that was helpful. So those are the three questions for today. Uh, if you guys have any questions on this, again, follow me on Instagram, ask me any questions to follow up. Um, and that's it for now. And I will chat with you guys next week. Thank you for listening. If you want more free content like this, follow me on Instagram at jeffh91 underscore or visit jhhealth.net. See you next time.